You're listening to the Techie Tony Marketing Podcast. We teach home-based business owners how to leverage technology to grow their business using the power of the internet and social media. And now your host, Techie Tony. Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of the Techie Tony Marketing Podcast. My name is Techie Tony, and I am your host. For those of you that do not know who I am, I show home-based business owners how to leverage technology to grow their business using the power of the internet and social media. We are back with another very exciting guest. I am excited to talk to this person today. How many of you have pets, cats, dogs? You're going to love this episode. I am joined today with, her name is Libby, and she is a uh, personal dog trainer. So I'm excited to have her on. So everyone, welcome Libby to the show. Libby, are you there? Hi. Hi, how are you? Good. Awesome. Thank you so much for making some time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no problem. So I always like to ask the first question. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I I mean, dog training is a big part of just who I am as a person. Um, I also do a lot of art and mainly just stuff with family. I moved here a couple of years ago to Alton from northern Idaho. So that's given me a little bit of a culture shock and starting a new business in a new area has been interesting. Yeah, especially with COVID and everything. Yes, for sure. So what's your favorite breed of dog? A Sharpay. I love them. They are, I actually don't care as much for the looks. They're really wrinkly, but their personalities resemble that of a cat and just the best thing ever. <laughs> I love it. I've never seen a Sharpe. <laughs> awesome. Well, how did you get into dog training, Libby? I mean, it's not really something everyone does. How did that come about? Yeah, so I actually was planning on getting into um, pediatric occupational therapy. And while I was getting my associates, I ended up, my little sister needed a service dog. And so I decided to try my hand at training one for her. And that dog ended up spending pretty much my whole associates going with me, going to classes. I took a whole bunch of training classes on the side and found out that training a dog was pretty much the same principles as working with kids with behavioral problems. All the principles were the same. Everything that I'd grown up with, learning to deal with my little sister, was mirrored in the dog training realm and I got really passionate about the fact that I could help work with kids and dogs. Awesome. Well, that's, that's different. I like that. What was the very first breed of dog that you uh, trained that you came across? Do you remember? Yeah. So the first one, when I was, I was probably 11, we got a dog that I had gone to do basic obedience with. And he was actually a northern breed wolf mix. Very interesting dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> large. I, a lot of the methods I learned then I don't necessarily use now, but I still really respect the fact that they worked and that I had this amazing bond with this dog. And going to a trainer and getting that experience as an 11 year old to have someone actually work with me and my then like nine month old dog was just such an incredible experience. I love it. How many dogs do you have living with you? I have three. 
three dogs. Wow, that's that's got to be an expensive habit. <laughs> it is. I I think I work to support my dogs. <laughs> awesome. All the other dogs I train, all, everything goes back to my own dogs. <laughs> what are their breeds and names? I have Ira. She is a Sharpay West Highland Terrier. And then I have Rumple. He's a Pug Cavalier Sharpay. And I have a soft-coated Wheaton Terrier named Dodie. So you have two Sharpays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've fallen in love with them, even the mixes. <laughs> I love it. I've never seen a Sharpay. I'd love to see a picture sometime. Yeah, they're wrinkly masses. Do they, do they, sleep, do they sleep with you? They do, yes. Yeah, they, they must love you, all those treats you give them for all the hard work you do to get them trained. Yes, they love it. I actually take them with me on training uh, when I need to get a dog used to another dog. And they love the fact that if they go on a training session with me, all they get is treats for doing nothing. So do you, uh, do you like bring pets into your home like a dog if there's like a foster dog and wait for it to get adopted? Is that something you do? Um, not really. At this point, I have a really small house and three dogs. So I'm, that's actually a goal of mine is once I can get a little bit of a bigger place is being able to do board and trains and work with dogs at home. I've done a couple rescues um, at my house and it was a great experience, but it definitely gets cramped fast. Yeah, for sure. Those dogs take up a lot of space because they don't really stay still. They're always walking around. Exactly. Awesome. Well, let's dig into the meat and potatoes of your business. My first question to you is this, you know, people go to PetSmart and they see a dog, they put them in a little box and they say, Oh, you're so cute. And like, why should somebody, you know, have you train a dog versus going to PetSmart? Yeah, definitely. It's a much different. So at PetSmart, you're going to have a lot of like the basics, but you don't necessarily have everything in place to follow through at home. So for me, it's a lot about teaching the owner how to communicate with their dog. And a lot of times it's hard to get a really good depiction of the relationship between a dog and their owner when you're in a stressful environment like a group class or PetSmart. And when you get to go into someone's home or just even working with them one-on-one -on -one at a park, you get a much better experience of teaching them like what their dog is telling them and then also building up a rapport of consistency and I reach out to my clients throughout the week to make sure everything's actually going well because I don't necessarily want to go and see someone one week and then the next week when we have a session something went wrong on day one. So you not yeah. only train the dogs, you coach the, the, the parents, so to speak, right? The, the yeah, that, the dog. Mm -hmm, that's mainly what I focus on is teaching the owners how to do the work with their dogs. You know, I, I never want them to have a lifetime bond and not have to continuously have training for the rest of their lives. I never would have thought that that would be of any interest to anything of any mute point because it is important that the, that the parents or, or the homeowners, um, you know, for you to point out that that's not right. Or, you know, you have to do this when they, they have to be rewarded for their treat or whatever. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, that's interesting. I never would have thought next time I get a dog, I'm going to, I'm going to have to really call you and think about that. I had a German shepherd, but it didn't work out, but. They're I, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're big too. <laughs> they're, yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. German Shepherds are, for people who want to do, those are the kind of dogs that I think of when I think of someone who wants to continue training for the rest of their lives. Because they require that much. They want to learn until the day they die. They never stop wanting to learn and do things. So they need an owner that is highly motivated to never stop. That makes sense. That makes sense. They're very active. So how has COVID-19 affected your business? I mean, I know you're a little new to this, kind of a new business for you. Has it played a role in your business? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it gave me that push to go full time. As I saw a lot of, as soon as it happened, I was really worried about the fact that these dogs are going to have their owners home all of a sudden, all the time. And then by the time they go back to work, these dogs have separation anxiety because they're, they're pack animals. They get used to within a month or two of having their owners home the whole time that that's the way it should be. And now it's been really hard transitioning back into normal life and back into that pattern for especially people who got puppies during this time. And the puppies didn't get around new dogs. They didn't get around new people. So they might be great dogs at home when you're there but not necessarily great dogs when you have guests over. Right. Yeah, they territorial. Yes. <laughs> My cat's like that. He's really nice when, when no one's home, but then I come home and he turns into kind of a mean cat, right? He just doesn't want to be around me because he likes other people. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, it's an interesting dynamic. But... Is, is there a specific like breed that has a behavior problem that you just won't work with? Or does someone just call and you're like, what do you got? Okay, it's a Sharpe. All right, I'll be right there. Yeah, there's not really any specific breed I won't work with. I love working with pits. I love working with the guard dogs, more aggressive breeds. I will also take a chihuahua. I'll take pretty much any breed. They all have their own unique qualities. And I've done a lot to make sure that I am aware of the breed-specific qualities when I'm working with a dog. Okay, what is something you would like all dog owners to know? I honestly would like them all to know about puzzle toys because treat dispensers and puzzle toys are the best thing in the world for keeping your dog calm without constant supervision. So being able to put some food in a Kong and throw it in the freezer and then give it to your dog and your dog is busy for 30 minutes. <laughs> it can be life-saving to a lot of people just for the fact that you just need a break for a couple minutes <laughs> and the dogs, it teaches them that they can entertain themselves. <laughs> Interesting concept. Is that, is that something you teach the homeowners? I do. Yeah. Does that really work? It does. It honestly is one of the most beneficial things I see. Like it makes the world a difference, even in aggression cases, just having a dog being able to, work their it works their mind eating um so if they're trying to work a puzzle to get food out it activates a different part of their brain that calms them down so dogs that are constantly over threshold and really overexcited need that time to relax it's kind of like watching tv for us I do this with my cat. I give him little greenies and he loves them, but I put them in a pill pocket and I just give it to him, but he doesn't really take it apart, but I can see the logic behind that. Yeah, definitely. The same thing. It, it kind of just gets their brains working. And as pets, they're in the home all the time. They don't necessarily, aside from walks, they don't get 
to go and do things and they need something to stay active. Just like we all experienced during lockdown that it's really easy to go stir crazy and barking at windows made so much more sense. (laughs) I see. All right. That's an interesting concept. I'm going to have to think about that one. A piece of advice for a family. Um, Obviously there's kids in the house, things like that. What is your advice for bringing a, a dog into your family? I, my advice is generally first, before getting a dog, do your research on how high their energy levels are going to be. So if it's a shelter dog, really ask the staff, what kind of energy levels, what have they tested the dog around? And if you're getting a bred puppy, it's the same thing. You want to know what the parent's temperaments were and find one that matches the activity level you already have. I see a lot of people get dogs that are really high energy levels with the expectation that they will become a person that has a high energy level. And that's kind of a way of setting yourself up for failure. (laughs) So getting, if you're a more of a calm person, getting a dog that naturally is more laid back. And if you're an active person, getting a dog that's naturally more active and can meet your lifestyle needs. Speak of the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you don't want a dog the bark slot, don't get a breed the bark slot. <laughs> gotcha. Do you help with the whole like potty training thing, like getting them outside and? Yeah, I don't do a whole lot of basic obedience for the potty training, but I do offer a lot of consults for that on getting people on a good schedule and teaching them what actually works for potty training and how to appropriately reinforce a dog after it goes to the bathroom outside what things will encourage a dog to go outside and not inside. Do you find a lot of homeowners that struggle with that with their pets, like the whole potty training thing? I do. It is, it's a hard thing because to really train it, it does take a lot of dedication and more time than most people naturally have on hand. Yeah. I think a lot of people get a pet and go, okay, we have a pet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's lots more to it than that. It really has to be properly trained. I see a lot of, especially people, as a puppy, it's not as big of a deal, but as soon as the dog turns like five months and becomes a bigger dog, it becomes a lot more of an issue. How long of a period do you train for? Is it like a six to eight week program or? It depends on every single situation. Some of my trainings are only one session and that's it. Other training sessions are about three months. Oh, wow. That's a long time. Yeah, those are more of the aggression cases and the dogs that need a whole lot more rehabilitation. You ever met a dog that you couldn't train? Um, Not necessarily, but there was one instance that I had to decide with the owner that the dog needed rehomed because they didn't match personality-wise, they didn't match energy-wise. And so it wasn't necessarily a training thing, but I could not train the genetics out of the dog to fit her lifestyle. When you go buy a dog, do you pay attention to like, like the personality of the dog? Like if you're a more calmer person and the dog's hiding in the food bowl, is that your dog? Or are you looking for the hyper one? Does it matter? It does matter. Um, A lot of times, like the more nervous dogs might be more laid back, but a puppy that's hiding will also not be laid back if you have people coming over. 
how do you deal with if you deal with this like you know how some cats don't like men i know that sounds kind of weird but like yeah. my cat doesn't like other men around the house do you deal with like abuse situations like if a puppy's just very skittish and you know how that is yeah i do i deal with a lot of behavioral problems it's what i focus on mainly and it's a lot of conditioning them that when a guy is near they get lots of good things good things happen so it usually starts training outside of the home where it's not as much of a territorial issue mm -hmm. and getting them used to the fact that this is okay, good things happen when whatever gender it is they don't like is around or when someone's wearing a hat. Yeah. Is, is there an instance where maybe a dog cannot, doesn't have to walk with a leash? Um, yeah, there are like those situations, but there's leash laws. For a reason. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't necessarily trust dogs to behave at all times. So I do off-leash training for very specific reasons in clients. Generally only if they want to be able to take their dog out to the country and to let it run on property. Okay. Yeah. I was just trying to get a feel for the services. Awesome. That's, a, that's, that's good to have because, you know, it, invisible fences are expensive and, you know, you can't just put them wherever you want. Exactly. Like it's for off-leash training, like in yards and things like that. It's really important to have a dog that will know that it has a boundary. Awesome. What do you reward your, your training for your dogs? Well, like what kind of treats do you give them? Are they greenie, greenies for puppies or are they? Uh, yeah, I use all sorts. Um, my favorite one, my go-to is always um, Zooks because it they're low calorie and have a limited amount of ingredients for the puppies that have food allergies. Otherwise, honestly, Cheerios work great. Cheerios? Cheerios are great. <laughs> really? Yep. I never would have thought of giving a dog Cheerios. <laughs> Interesting. Cheerios. I love that. What recommendations do you have for somebody wanting to hire a dog trainer? Like, what's your process there? Do you have, like, a survey they fill out? Do you have, like, a consultation? Yeah, so my process is I, once someone like connects with me that they have some questions, I'll generally do a quick phone call with them to get a feel for what's going on and if it's something that I can help with or if it's something that I need to outsource to someone else. After that, if it looks like it's going to be a good fit, then I send them some paperwork to fill out and we do an evaluation. Okay, so you do have things that you can outsource if yes. it's something that you just not, you just don't specialize in. Yeah. So if, if it's a situation where I have like a full client set and it's a basic obedience thing, then I'll outsource it out to someone who specializes in doing like basic obedience classes. Um, or if it's it, more of something that I think is a medical issue and that they need to go see a vet or a veterinary behaviorist. Okay, so there is advanced options there if you need it. Absolutely. Is this the time of year where people think about buying pets like Christmas and things like that? Yeah, the people start thinking about Christmas puppies, definitely. <laughs> even some of my clients I've seen like starting to talk about new dogs, even though they're still training their current dogs. <laughs> um, right now this year, it's kind of different just because everyone and their brother went out and got a puppy at the beginning of COVID. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. A lot of, a lot of pets. 
Yes, there was a lot of pets. It was great for shelters. Like every shelter was pretty much empty with between people adopting and people fostering. But that could also be bad too, because the focus was on people working from home and not paying attention yeah. to their pets. It's caused a lot of job security for me, but it's also a major worry because there's a lot of pets that are getting sent back to the shelters because of behavioral issues that the owners didn't realize or didn't know that they weren't able to deal with once they're back to work full time. I feel like you, you kind of got to do your homework a little bit when you buy a pet. You really have to kind of know what you're getting yourself into. There's so much Definitely. more than, than just, oh, hey, everybody, we bought a dog and his name's Joe, you know? The biggest thing, a lot of times with clients, the biggest thing I wish when I see a new dog is I wish they would have gone to a trainer and talked to a trainer before getting a puppy to How really get down to what they want and have the guidance of someone to tell them how much the training is actually going to cost for this dog. Whether it's rescue or a bred dog, it can be way more than expected. And if the dog's going to fit their lifestyle. And I, and I think that's key there. Let me like the lifestyle is what's important. Not every dog is going to be a fit for every family. Definitely. It's not, I, you can't expect a dog to mesh with everyone. If they have personalities just like us. Yeah, they do. They really do. My cat's the exact same way. He has his own little thing. And if you disturb that, he does not approve. Exactly. Yeah. He, <laughs> no, no, no. Where do you see your business in, say, five to 10 years? Honestly, I, first off, that like the amount of dogs that I will have helped within 10 years just makes me super excited. And I just wish it was that time already. But <laughs> um, I see myself as having a few other trainers working with me and being able to make a larger impact in this area and in the Alton area of getting more trainers that use scientific methods and positive training that get good results as well to change the mindset around it. And I also hope once I get enough trainers on board to be able to handle different cases that I can mainly work again with kids with special needs and companion dogs and service dogs. So I have a friend who, um, her daughter is, uh, she's having seizures and uh -huh. they're doing fundraising to get a service dog for that. Yeah. And, uh, it's amazing the training that goes involved with that. I've read, I've read up on this a little bit and it's incredible what, what they're doing or what they're trying to do. Yeah. My main goal is doing service dogs. I mean, I got into it for service dogs. I'm doing pet training now because I think that, Owners need the experience of having that kind of bond that someone with a service dog would have, mm -hmm. but service dog training is definitely where my passion is. And seizure alert dogs are just amazing because you can't train that ability into a dog to be able to alert, to be able to detect a seizure. So one, you have to have a dog that naturally has this ability. And then two, you have to have a dog that's trainable with that ability. Trainable, keyword. Yes. <laughs> okay, learning a lot here. Just kind of blown away. I didn't realize dogs could be so smart. Where? What do you do for fun? Like out of your like your hobbies and things like that outside of dog training? Yeah, honestly, I'm usually at my art desk painting, or I'm hanging out with my family. I do a lot with one of my sisters and her kids. I'm there like half of the week playing with her dogs and taking care of the kids and painting even at her house. So that's basically my life is just dogs and 
painting. Otherwise, I'm just snuggling with my dogs. <laughs> well, you love your puppies. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes. I love it. Have you ever uh, trained a dog for someone for Christmas? Like got it prior as an early Christmas gift and then on Christmas Day everything was fine? I have not, but that's a great idea. Maybe like if someone's thinking about buying a dog, you get it for them for like an early Thanksgiving. So on Christmas Day, it's not like totally chaotic, all the people coming over their yeah. situation. <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully I'm hoping that people start like reaching out to do preventative training for the dogs they already have to get ready for that. Because the one thing I see a lot too is people put Christmas trees up and don't realize that the dogs think that that's a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and the when pecking. it comes to cats, cats think that's a lot of fun. <laughs> I can vouch. Yes, I know. Um, and then plus the dogs, eat, you know, begging for food at the tables. It'd be nice to have that preventative like measure in place. Yeah, definitely. It's nice. I prefer it when clients reach out beforehand instead of after something happened, because seeing a dog after they ate the Thanksgiving turkey had to go into the vet for really expensive surgery. And then also need training on top of that. It's a really stressful situation to walk in and try to diffuse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine. Um, do you have any, any training tips for like, like dog owners? Like I'm ready to buy a dog. What, what do I need to know besides looking for personality? Like what's, what's one thing I should anticipate to be prepared for? Be prepared to put in the time to let a dog get used to its new environment. Mainly just focusing on teaching the dog to be calm at home and to be calm on walks. And that that's something that's expected and building that just reinforcing calm behavior. Unless you're someone who wants to do a lot of really active things. Even then you still, I'm sure, have an off switch. <laughs> How... How bad is it, like, if a dog begs to to yell at it and say, go away? Is that a conditioning thing, or? Yeah, it's really not going to do much good, just because the food is almost always more reinforcing than the negative thing that's happening. So if you're going to yell at them, you're going to have to yell louder next time. And you have to keep your punishment increasing to get the same result. So it's a lot better to teach your dog first how to go to their bed in a situation where they wouldn't normally beg and then reinforce them for that and then start practicing going to the dinner table, getting food out and having your dog sitting in their bed during those times. And even then you can give them some of the table scraps when you're done because they're going to know you had food. But <laughs> if you reinforce them with what they wanted for doing the right thing, then they will continue doing the right thing. But yeah, because then when you have the table scraps at the end of the night, they know that they'll get their snack after dinner and that way they're not begging at dinner. Exactly. If they know that a reward is going to happen because it's consistently happened, their patience levels, you build in a patient dog. Like putting the, putting the tree down the nose and having them not move. Yeah. It's just something that takes a lot of practice. Obedience, a lot, a lot of training, a lot of patience, yeah. I'd imagine. Well, Libby, this has been interesting. I feel like I've learned a lot about dogs. I never knew that there was so much involved with dog training. Yeah, it's definitely a lot. It's what keeps me really interested. I always have to learn new things. So for me, dog training is the perfect place for me to be because 
I'm constantly solving new problems. There's new things that I've never seen every day that I get to learn about and then put everything I know into practice with. You should start a podcast and call it the dog cast. Yes. Like, <laughs> there's so much content you can talk about here, like blogging and everything. Who are your ideal referral partners? Who are you looking to meet that we can introduce you to? My ideal referral partners are probably, I really want to get in with more vets and rescues because I think that would give me a good balance of the dogs that really need the behavioral help when they're going into their homes to help the transition. And then working with a vet for the ones that need medication for anxiety, but also need the training too. So just an introduction to a vet would be an ideal referral partner for you? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. We take our cat to Brian Road Animal Hospital here in O'Fallon, and they've been really good to him. Yeah. Um, we give him vitamin B shots every couple of weeks to help with that because he's low on that. But they have been so good to him. There's a lot of, like, I've really great vets around here, and I really haven't, like, done the legwork to get to know them and get that rapport with them. Yeah, I mean, you could reach out, send an email, say, I'd love to connect with you. I'm a dog trainer in the area. I'd just like to learn a little bit more. And if you could just keep me in mind, that'd be awesome. Yeah, definitely. That's something I need to, like, that's my next goal is getting into that realm. I've been doing a lot more connecting with dog owners, which has been great because I'm learning about, like, what they actually want out of a dog has been interesting. It's not what training history has said. It's most people want a dog that gets on the couch and snuggles that has behavioral things that in the past trainers would say, Oh, that's terrible. Your dog shouldn't do that. But owners don't care as long as their dog is happy and not biting people or jumping on them. Right. Exactly. Uh, do you have a website where people can find you? Yeah, I do. It's inquisitive animal training.com. Inquisitive animal training. I like that. That's a good domain name. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I would love if you could leave us with some contact information and email address, say your website one more time so people know where to go. Yeah, definitely. It's inquisitiveanimaltraining.com. You can also look me up on Facebook at Inquisitive Training, and it's the same on Instagram, it's Inquisitive Training. Awesome. And one last question for you, Libby. Do you offer virtual training? I do. I actually started that at the beginning of COVID. I started doing virtual training. And now that winter is kind of setting in and with everything going on, I'm about to build on my online training program. Oh, you got something in the works. Yes. So that means you're using social media to grow your business. Definitely. <laughs> How's that going? It's going pretty well. I've it was a huge push for me. I am actually someone who's really against social media as like a person. But now that I see that it doesn't have to be a personal thing and it's about business, it's helped me a lot. And honestly, getting to connect with more people that have the same passion about dogs as I do has been a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, having pets is one of the easiest ways to build rapport with somebody. It is. It's, I automatically have a connection with my clients because we're generally both fanatics about dogs or cats or hamsters. So what do you do when you go to someone's house and the dog just like tramples you? Are you like, whoa, 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 
I, I kind of just sit there and let it happen. It's generally fun. I usually have treats and start, honestly, when I go into an evaluation, I'm training the dog to be calm while talking to the owner. It takes some multitasking, definitely, to be able to focus on conversation and not get too distracted by the cute dog. <laughs> right, because I'd, I'd imagine that that first minute of you being there is so critical for for not only the homeowner but the dog too yeah because i have to make sure that that dog has a good experience with me in the beginning i have to build a really solid relationship with that dog where they trust me just like with a person i have to build a solid relationship off the get-go that they trust me to work with their most precious baby yeah i mean that's that's something that's going to be in their family for years to come 16 17 years Exactly. The, the life of a dog is. Um, that's amazing. Has, has there ever been somebody that you've been really close to, like a dog that's passed and you were just kind of devastated? Not in the training realm, only like personally and like with personal like family dogs that it's been really hard. I am going to be really sad when some of the ones I've worked with do pass. Most of the dogs that I've been working with are still like below five. Yeah. So there's, it's going to be a lot, especially since some of my clients, like even the people have become like family to me. I mean, I'm working with them in their homes one to two times a week and you just, you get a bond with them and it's hard when you get that. And then it obviously everything ends. I, I almost wonder if losing a pet is harder than losing your, your parents because pets they're tough. They're always there. They know when you're sad. They know when you're happy. They know everything if you train them properly. Yeah, definitely. Like once you have that solid communication with them and you really have that bond, like they're vital to functioning and living. Yeah. Well, Libby, it has been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. I feel like I learned a lot about dogs and dog training. Um, I will see if I can put you in contact with somebody. I have somebody that I think might be of some help to you. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the person though. So um, we will go ahead and add your website and uh, your contact information and all that. And thank you so much for being on. We really do appreciate it. We wish you the best with your dog business moving forward in the upcoming years. Yeah, thank you so much. You're very welcome, Libby. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.